Master Skywalker, there are too many. Swear words. What are we going to do? <laughs> Terrific. This show contains some adult language and may not be suitable for younglings. Hello there. He's no good to me, dead. We're fine. We're all fine here. How are you? I think you'll fill in nicely. This is where the fun begins. Hello. 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 It's so empty in here. It's just me. Uh, it's your your boy, Pat. And um, yeah, we are all over the place this week and last week, so we weren't able to record a brand new episode. I think we gave you a heads up about that anyways, so shouldn't come as too much of a shock. Apologies if it does, but uh, hey, to help soothe that shock, we got uh, we got a pretty cool episode coming up here. We got a couple of pretty neat guys who have contributed, uh, I would say somewhat significantly in their own way, to the Star Wars universe. Uh, we have, uh, first of all, we have Ben Acker. We got to sit down with him close to, a, oh, geez, it was more than a year ago now. Both of them were more than a year ago. Holy smokes. Uh, but we talked with Ben Acker about his writing of a young adult trilogy that set... Um, uh, in and around the uh, the sequel era, but it was very, very cool. Uh, I really did enjoy it. Highly recommend it. You'll hear all about it in the interview coming up. Uh, and we also got to talk, uh, Tark, <laughs> Tarkin, we got Tarkin with Mark Anthony Austin, who played the magnificent Boba Fett for the 1997 Star Wars Holiday Special. Uh, he contributed to it as, a, 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 as an artist as well, but he was the, I guess, best fit for the suit. So, he got to be the guy to strap on Boba Fett's old suit and walk in for one scene. You know, when uh, the, the added scene when Han gets confronted by Jabba in episode four. You know that scene, right? And then, like, Han glitchily steps over uh, Jabba's tail. You know what I'm talking about. Anyways, at the end of that sequence is when you see Boba Fett walk by, turn his head menacingly, and it's just like, ah, I know him! I know him! You know, it's that it's that, that snap finger... Uh, Leo DiCaprio thing from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, but yeah, that was Mark Anthony Austin. So we talk about him and his Star Wars experience and uh, what he's been up to. Uh, so yeah, uh, that was well previous, well prior to the uh, released Book of Boba Fett series. So I'd love to have him back on uh, in a later interview to see what his thoughts were on Book of Boba Fett and how he thought it all came together. And speaking of interviews, we will be back full-time regularly in September. I think we might have another episode in August, I hope, but uh, we are taking a little bit of a summer break here. Stretch our legs, kind of regroup, recharge, let some of this uh, Star Wars content build up a little bit. We got Andor coming out at the end of the month. Everyone's super stoked about that. That trailer kicked a million asses. If you haven't seen it already, check that out. What else? Oh my gosh. Yeah, we have a couple interviews. Uh, I'm trying to line up right now for September uh, to come out with a bang. So uh, here's hoping we can pull those off. Uh, we will get something and we will be a little bit more structured and a little bit more regimented because, uh, yeah, we want to bring some pretty neat Star Wars stuff to you all um, because we enjoy it and we hope you do too. Thank you again so much for listening. Enjoy the interviews and as always, be a Jedi in the streets and a Sith in the sheets. Oh man, I love saying that. All right. Bye. Today, we have the pleasure of being joined by Ben Acker. Ben is an extremely talented comedian and writer who has written comics for Wolverine, Deadpool, Flash Gordon, plus a heaping handful of Star Wars comics, and amongst 
what seems like hundreds of other comics as well. Correct me down the line here, Ben. But um, I would never. Uh, pardon me? I would never. Never. Oh, of course show. not. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what a showman. Let's call it. Let's call it tons of comics. Tons of comics. A whole tons <laughs> of fun. Uh, Ryan and I correct Pat all the time. So we'll, that's, we'll, that's why yeah. they're here. Essentially, we'll it would just be me just rambling <laughs> into a microphone otherwise, but uh, which pretty much is. Um, but uh, yes, so he and his writing partner, Ben Blacker, are also co-creators of the extremely popular old time radio show meets modern entertainment uh, entitled Thrilling Adventure Hour. And if that isn't enough to keep him busy... Ben and Ben are the authors of the young adult novel trilogy, Join the Resistance, along with contributing to the very first installment of the anthology, From a Certain Point of View. I'm exhausted just from reading all of that, but uh, Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, how, how's life over in LA for you? Thanks for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here, long time, first time. And <laughs> life in LA could, uh, you know, we're we're coming out of, the uh, the the everything the the COVID apocalypse mm-hmm. that we still see the whole yeah and you know the the general you know upheaval going on in America uh, yeah Fair and enough. I feel like you know Hollywood is coming back online uh, I've gone from waiting to hear about waiting to hear back to waiting to hear okay um, progress right it's uh and it's a beautiful day outside it's a little chilly. Uh, mm. I'm two vaccines in out of two. I'm waiting for the antibodies. They come next week and uh, <laughs> oh, wow. we'll see what's, what's still around outside. Um, I'm good. <laughs> Hollywood, LA, California, America is, is doing okay. All things considered, you know, no I should be wearing my LA Kings hat. I, I, That's I, right. We live royalty yes. walks around among us and they love us to wear hats. <laughs> we live. Them. We all live just outside of Toronto, um, but I'm a huge L.A. Kings fan from like the 90s when Wayne Gretzky played there. So I should have worn my L.A. Kings hat tonight. I'm a big Kids in the Hall fan from the mid-90s. There we go. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And they're doing doing more. They're back. They're coming back. Are they really? Really? Foley uh, tweeted he's on his way to Canada last week, I want to say, to shoot more kids in the hall. Do you know if Lauren Michaels is producing again? I don't know. I think it is. I I I have no idea. Um, oh, that's cool though. But I think that is it's very an cool. Amazon or a Hulu or a Netflix or a, one of those. Um, Gotta love streaming. Yeah, really. Uh, that's the only thing you get to. anything these days. It's it brings everything back now. We're it's great. doing it right yeah. now. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Stream it away. What's the What's the difference ultimately between this conversation and Stranger Things? Uh, a couple <laughs> demigorgons, maybe, but you know, again, we're yeah. arguably. arguably. <laughs> <laughs> hey we, we're just getting started guys we might get there hey, yeah yeah we're, we're we just started talking here we got to at least kind of butter the audience up a little bit first before if, we... the, if the screen all of a sudden flips upside down right. you know we're in trouble. Ooh, nice there we nice. go there it is that guy's seen that show <laughs> <laughs> oh what a nerd i love it uh our, Whoa, so... are we throwing that around on hey this, look on this hey, you can't see it hey. i got the walking dad the shirt walk. on right now so it's uh <laughs> yeah, you're, that's that. I think our Can affectionate confirm. term for our fans is "you bunch of nerds." I think that's like what we are essentially like. That's a, that's our mantra. And do they like it? I've, I've never, I've never. I don't know. All, all one of them hasn't really uh, objected yet. So <laughs> I don't. I don't think. <laughs> Look, I like to reach an audience one at a time. So if this if this hits one Sounds person, hurts. you know that's that's one. That's exactly it. That's Whoa. that's how I started with this whole. 
think as well. What's reaching for as we speak? Yeah, my, my oh. mom is cheering us on, so <laughs> we got us. that at least. So. <laughs> That's us right now. Present company. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Look, so- I, love, I love the void. Yep, absolutely. Uh, all right, so let, let's let's start at the start. Let's do that old typical thing, that old song and dance, writing itself. Okay. How did you get involved with yes. it? How did you get started in it? Like, what what was what was young Ben Acker like, and what got him into writing in the first place? I'll tell you this: uh, we've teed it up. When I was in high school, I wanted to grow up to be a kid in the hall. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like in drama class. That was this the stuff we'd do if we if we could get away with it. Uh, I had a friend, mm-hmm. and we wrote stuff together. Then for like, we wrote comics, and we wrote skits and like if we could do uh, a dumb little video project instead of science class we would we would do that instead of a science thing in science class we'd do that and then high and then in college i went to syracuse which had a film program that i got into and realized that that was my lane i met my writing partner ben blacker in that in that uh in syracuse's film program in the 90s and then he finished school at emerson where they taught him how to write tv and i had moved out to la and had the opportunity to try and write TV and didn't know how. So we teamed up and it was great. And there was no turning back. There was some turning back, but we ignored it. And um, (laughs) we ended up writing for want of TV wanting us our own thing, which was the Thrilling Adventure Hour. Um, And that was a good 10 years monthly show. Um, Five of it podcast. And then, 11th year kind of on and off and now we're we're doing it every once in a while we're doing one tomorrow streaming on the zoom um we'll be rehearsing for it later i'm very excited it's gonna be a good one awesome who's nice. uh who's on who's on this upcoming episode on this upcoming, if, if you can it release is, it if you can say that i can i can because it is uh the people that you know we have a limited um guest capacity in the zoom thing because it feels like it's a hang like it feels like it's mm. core cast kind of a thing so we're we're actively serving that cast and if there's room we'll bring in a guest star or maybe two but this one like is it's an all play it's a family style it's uh it's the whole cast there's no guest stars cool uh mm. because mm-hmm. we, didn't, we didn't want them this yeah time. we uh <laughs> it's um yeah everybody's really well served and that's part of the fun of of these zoom things for sure and i'd imagine like after everything that's been going on over the past however many months now uh you you just want that sense of being around those people that are like what made it in the first place you want to get that kind of that bond back and be like it's like seeing your friend that went away to college for a year and then they come back and well like pre-social media and all that maybe but Mm -hmm. (laughs) but just it's totally that and it's it's making sure that everybody gets stuff to do because they all true you know, the gang loves each other and to be able to make sure that everybody gets to play with everybody feels like, um, what, what the thing's about, like at its core. Absolutely. Well, and it comes through in all of your productions. It's just like, you you just play off of each other so amazingly, but in that old time radio style, that's just like, uh, I love it. Uh, If you've not heard it, anybody out there, (laughs) thrillingadventurehour.com podcast it youtube it it's a lot of fun uh that's and look, it's, all it's, we're doing old time radio the way it was meant to be done on zoom on zoom yeah amazing <laughs> amazing <laughs> with the modern do, do you have um you've 
Do you have like a favorite medium that you like to write for? Because you have like a lot of experience with like dif- different mediums, which are all different, but then unique. And, you know, is there one you particularly love writing for? Like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Uh, writing our show is is the strongest muscle memory kind of a thing. Like it's uh, not having to write stage directions mm. is I mean like every, it, I love, I love TV. TV is the best. Um, I love whatever I'm writing currently. That's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of just like from thought to percolating to fingers, to typing, to putting it in the world, nothing beats pretend radio. Uh, yeah. Just in terms of like, uh, like having written comics, right. You have to, yeah. you have to know like the story and then the pages and then the panels and then, uh, by the time that you're like writing what people think of as writing, which is like what characters do and say, the mm-hmm. whole thing's kind of blocked out and outlined, and it's it's a, it's its own discipline, uh, mm-hmm. and it's it's compelling in its own ways, but like it's it's degrees harder than they can yeah. only see in here. It sounds very three-dimensional or, or four-dimensional even. Mm-hmm. You have to consider all of these different aspects and points of view and, and like, mm-hmm. uh, then... And you're, and, and you're communicating with an artist. Like, yeah. a, a comic script is a letter from the writer to the artist, right? Huh. Right, yeah. yeah. And, well. and so it's, there is, there's kind of a form to it. There's kind of a format, in like, page and panel. But it's, it is writing to communicate to someone else what you're getting at as opposed to like writing the thing, you know? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. books. Oh my God, guys, have you ever written a book? I, it's the hardest. <laughs> I tried well. for like a day and it's like, it's, it's like going from like, um, I didn't want to read them. Right. They're super, <laughs> there's just a lot going on and you can do anything, right? Like you're not limited to like, yeah. here. like a character can see a thing and then you go back 30 years like uh, you're John Irving or someone. Yeah. Um, it's it's like going from playing a, a kazoo to a, a million string guitar. Yeah, it's just too much. It's too much freedom. It's too much freedom. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like analysis paralysis where you just get like, okay, I got to examine this point of view, but then how's that person going to react? I better make a note about that. Like I, I started making notes for an actual story that I had in my head, and mm-hmm. like by the time I was like, I, I was probably no joke fifty pages in with just notes as opposed to like an actual like he woke up and this is how our day went like it was just background notes kind of thing but i i felt burnt out by the time i was done the notes and lost a lot of the energy for it so i have just attempting that process so much respect for for writers who have actually produced something and and produced it well as well so uh kudos to you my man it's uh it's a process holy smokes it's it's literally probably one of the hardest things you you could ever have to do is writing people take it for granted but it's definitely it's, it's, hard. Yeah. it's super hard. I've never, I've never been a fireman, but <laughs> I will say here on this podcast for the record, writing is harder and more heroic. I am a fireman and yeah, it is. Oh. Oh. <laughs> 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 volunteer, volunteer firefighter. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm going to volunteer not to go in that yeah, fire. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll take the hey, next one, guys. You, you write all you want. I'll take, <laughs> I'll take the fires. Let you guys can around. write. Let it come around. I uh, I just I just want to make sure that people know that uh, you're you're the real heroes. 
You the writers? That I th- no, that, you the writers no, are. That I, I'm, tur- I'm turning it back around. I'm making sure. <laughs> certainly, uh, certainly. To be above reproach on this. What, yeah. what about the people who treat the firefighters? Like, uh, what? like me oh treat them yeah like okay so uh yeah uh well andy you you explain what maybe what that means because you are an actual not psychologist i'm just i'm just teasing about the the real heroes because definitely the first responders are the real heroes but i i I work as a therapist in a treatment program residential treatment program where we treat military and first responders so (laughs) okay okay guys okay i went to school I have a degree in drama, and now I work in marketing and PR. So clearly, We've, I'm okay, the hero. We got all of our resumes. Right? Great. Right? Okay. Uh, look, it's important to know who in a podcast is the real heroes and who's yeah. the, the for real heroes. You wouldn't even know firefighters were a thing unless someone decided to make the fire truck red, right? That was a marketing decision. Right. It's, it's, t- good. it's great branding, whoever redded the fire truck. It's just attention-grabbing, yeah. uh, you know, divas The, the lights. <laughs> the Dalmatian. Yeah, the Dalmatians. Yep. This this is a Rain Wilson Dwight Schrute monologue from the office on the uh, the real hero. He's like the white wakes up every morning, gets a, a distress call from the commissioner, and puts on his cape and rips open his shirt and flies away fighting bad guys. Also, hero from heroes. <laughs> God, the on. only one on that show who wasn't boohoo. I can fly. <laughs> when did you first watch Star Wars? Were you a fan before you got your shoe in the door for for writing for of it? Of course. How dare you? Of course. <laughs> I, like one of my first <laughs> memories in this life is getting the Darth Vader action figure and with my father and using a pay telephone to call my mother to tell her we were going to McDonald's for lunch. And not only that, that I was. My father was letting me bring the action figure into McDonald's what? with me. Not in the that's, ball that's pit, a big though. Step. That's a big step. No, it wasn't one. Look, <laughs> I come from a simple suburb. We didn't have a ball pit McDonald's. Uh, this wasn't a, a Chuck E. Cheesy. Uh, <laughs> a high-brow no, establishment. I, uh, I, have well, you I feel like I must have seen the original Star Wars on tape and then... I don't. I I feel like maybe Star Wars and Empire on tape, and then Return of the Jedi in theaters, because that that tracks age wise. Um, but I know that I was a devotee. Mm. Um, they were, yeah, they were totally my shit. I had <laughs> the holy trinity of toys growing up was Star Wars, no Star Wars, He Man, and Transformers. Yes, so oh, wow. I'd fight all those guys, and I had the Darth Vader head that you'd. Keep your toys yeah. in the big. Oh yeah, yeah the, uh, the the briefcase yeah. style, mm-hmm. kind of the, the Kenner. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Did your organizer. did your Darth Vader have the the lightsaber in his arm that extended out? I no, no, he didn't. Oh, okay. No. That's okay. And my fancy friend Robert Ragsdale had an at at and a Millennium Falcon, but I didn't have either of those. Oh, I got those in my editing yeah. desk, right outside my little booth here, but. Uh, well, no, the nice. the the snow speeder, sorry, and the Millennium Falcon. Those are those are my two. Cool. But uh, yeah, I so, think I had a land speeder. That was pretty nice. nice. Okay, speaking of land speeders, I I, I think you're yes. familiar with. Uh, uh, he's been on Thrilling Adventure Hour before. Eric Bauza. Oh yeah, Canadian boy. Mm-hmm. His son, Canada's own Eric Bauza. Canada's own Bugs His Bunny, son. absolutely a, a hero of mine. I'm a, I do voice acting, but like corporate narration so not bugs bunny mm-hmm. but uh uh so i i i love yeah, eric yeah. huge fan of his stuff follow him on instagram and he shows off his son who i think is like 
four, five maybe, and he has mm-hmm. like a Power Wheels Lance Beater. And I've never been more jealous uh, of a toy in my life than a Lance Beater oh, Power cool. Wheels toy. Oh, that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, but, do, you, do you want a sidebar and have an Eric Bowser is great story? I do. I, I, I was wearing yes, his please. Retro Kid shirt yesterday. I, nice. Yeah. Uh, so I'm talking to Eric about Woody Woodpecker. Because <laughs> he's going to do, he did, he recorded uh, Woodrow Woody Wilson one of the characters in one of our sketches naturally uh, and that we had as a Woody Woodpecker <laughs> voice. And he was saying, he was recording and he was saying you, the way they used to do it, the way that they usually do a Woody Woodpecker is that the voice actor records it in a certain um, register and then they, they pitch in a certain pitch and then they pitch okay, it they, up and post Yeah, is how it works. And he's like, but let me save you the trouble and I'll just pitch shift it myself. And we talked about how, it is a skill of voice actors and he being one of the top ones that exist uh, all time can just do that pitch shifting. And he started telling me about how, like, if you look at Tweety Bird and is it Syl- no Sylvester and Daffy Duck is the same voice pitch shifted. And he was talking about Mel Blanc and he asked me, have you ever heard his digressive story? But it was a digressive conversation. But he said, have you heard uh, the story of how Mel Blanc came up with Porky Pig? And he, and he related this story. But the thing, the reason I bring this up, the reason that he is uh, amazing beyond what we all know is conversationally, he tells a story about Mel Blanc telling a story on Letterman. And in doing, Eric Bauza has a resting Mel Blanc voice. Wow. That he just, like, no one will ever be like, do your resting Mel Blanc for a session. So yeah, everyone's I mean, like, like, do Bugs Bunny, is, do everyone else, but not Mel Blanc. Other than to tell a story and and have that, th- and it was it was just it felt like a um uh, uh, a command performance <laughs> of like yeah. the most subtle thing in the in the world is this guy who obviously can do Bugs Bunny, but like for his friends in this setting, here's re- it was just it was, it felt like I was given a great gift. Honestly, that would oh, be amazing. absolutely incredible. Oh, just yeah. Uh, yeah. When when Eric started getting a lot of the attention over getting cast as Bugs Bunny for Space Jam, and he'd been Bugs Bunny for like two or three years already. And because I'd followed mm-hmm. him for a while, I kind of thought everybody already knew that this Canadian guy was, you know, Bugs Bunny and all of these awesome Warner Brother and uh, Disney characters that he he is. And so, I think one of the conversations he was doing was. Talking about Mel Blanc and how impressive it was that he could do a Bugs Bunny voice impersonating Daffy Duck while Daffy Duck did a Bugs Bunny impersonation and they were having a back and forth conversation. And he started Amazing. doing it. I was like, like, yeah, you, 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 it's, there's, there's levels to this game. And there's just like, he is like, yeah, he's, he's, like everyone can do he's like got the game genie turned on to. Or like a word of a character. Mm-hmm. But like th- that level is like, is, like, that's why it's the best. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, so that'll do it for our Eric Bowser podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> I could go on about it for days. That guy's awesome. Um, but uh, so yeah, Star Wars, you you had the toys, you saw Jedi in theaters. Um, yes. What were, uh, I guess, what were your initial thoughts of the prequel trilogy? Um, I think we're all of a generation that grew up with prequels in theaters and kind of met a little bit of that initial resistance and hesitation and 
maybe not so much love for it as maybe this generation has. But I want to know what, what your original thoughts were and have they changed about the prequels well, in general? Most I'll, I'll tell you this. The, the, they re-released the originals uh, right before the, trilogy, the prequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was in London, England, studying for a semester over there. I believe that's how it's pronounced. And uh, I remember Spot seeing um, a presenter talking about getting to see that Star Wars re-release early, like a special screening. And he was so excited by it. He said uh, that I felt like jumping up and cheering, but then I remembered I am English and we don't Mm. do that. And so with like that as the, the like immediate predecessor to my going to back, back in America, seeing these prequels, the, the first one, the trailer was so um, uh, like, epic right yeah and the the excitement level was huge and the idea that like we were going to get a group of people and go to a crowded theater and see this thing and have this communal experience and like oh it's gonna be great and then it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't great and then (laughs) my friend uh who i went and saw with a couple days later picked me up uh he was like i'm gonna run some errands do you want to come we'll hang out and we'll you know do the thing that people in their early twenties have the the leisure to do, which is nothing all day. Absolutely. And and so I got in his car and he said, you know, I've been thinking about it and I don't think that movie was so bad. And I said, are you kidding? And I began a montage that lasted (laughs) for as long as our errands did. (laughs) My dissatisfaction with the experience of seeing the movie, uh, which is nobody's fault, let's say, and um, at the end of it, when he dropped me back and I exhaled, I had purged it from my system and never have to live in this again. So let me just say that I see that it did, that people like it um, and good for them and good for it. Um, we put a Gungan in as a joke in the first book. That's what I was going to ask. Which meant that we had to. <laughs> We had to pay it off in the third <laughs> book. And it's really hard to write for a Gungan. Yeah. It's really like it feels like you're doing you're 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 close to a dangerous stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> it is a tightrope. It is a tightrope. Tightrope. It it became the cheat became uh writing about what he said rather than having him say it, rather than putting dialogue in the character's mouth. It's a memory of another character. Or, oh, so nice! It, it, mm, it became smart. like let's let's save the the actual like lines from the Gungan for, for stuff that feels safe and okay. <laughs> In effect, yeah, that's mm-hmm. job well done. Job well done. Now, I'm at best the nicest guy in the world. And talented mm-hmm. for miles. So much. So mm-hmm. much. So good. I, I mean, like, yeah. All this to say, no disrespect to Ahmed. Like, yeah. He he and, did and what exactly Jar-Jar. what he was told, and he did it. He crushed it. It doesn't matter who played. I, I have been very, um, well, not famous, but vocal on this podcast since we've been doing it about my displeasure of Jar Jar Bink, Binks and my thoughts for Jar Jar Binks reappearing in the Obi Wan Kenobi series and coming to a very uh, gruesome death. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the like all my best. No disrespect. Like anyone who would have played that character and been told to play that character would have been met with the same like 
the two disgruntled approach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. It, it, it was a joke that did not pay off, I think, or something for the kids that that George apparently wanted and yeah. hadn't said. But uh, I, I, there was a lot of tone problems and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a whoopsie daisy, I think. But uh, well, you, you, you have like Jar Jar, which is for the kids, but then you have this really complex political <laughs> drama happening. Like, okay, we're gonna have Jar Jar, who's for children, but let's talk about you know like votes of no confidence yeah. and all this other stuff. That's that's for mom and dad. Yeah, let's get everyone <laughs> involved. Moms and dads love galactic tax code. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love Ahmed's line in your. It was the thrilling adventure hours. Um, Star Wars. Star Wars and Bonanza. There's a line that Ahmed says in it saying, Oh, it's been all green lights for me since 1997. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I, oh, my God. I, that oh. Such, that, com- that, that night was a, a, a thrill. It looked no, fun. It looked no, fun for no what I see. Yeah. Yeah. No, it looked like a good time for sure. And, and I like, as far as, well, I won't give away any spoilers for the resistance. I've not finished it all yet. I'm about two third, uh, a third and a bit of the way through the second one. I'm crushing the audiobook Ooh. of it right now, wrapped in it. Audiobook. The first, yeah. the first, uh, sorry, the first book. But I finished that. Mm-hmm. Okay, again, no spoilers. But I will say this. Klimo. I, I know what happened. You know, you've been there, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah you're not going to spoil it for me. I, I, I know what happened. Yeah. And yeah. Our, our other listener, I'm sure, is uh, is probably read it too. Um, I'll just take my headphones off. There you go. There you go. It, this isn't a spoiler at all, but I will say this. The way that you wrote yes. the character Klimo, the, the um, uh, Rodian, mm-hmm. that and that kind of arc and that kind of like what would happen, like what... Klimo's whole jam mm-hmm. should have been what Jar Jar was in episode one. <laughs> Thank you, I guess. Yeah, like, I, and I don't mean that in, in being like, let's let's give something to mm-hmm. hate. I mean, like, like that style of character. That was a joke that like paid off essentially, like a, a bit of comedic relief that actually had some like merit to it and like some faith in it. So, uh, like it. Uh, I don't want to give too much away, but I really want to swear at you at the same time. It's just kind of like, uh, <laughs> so I'm, right. I'm very, very enthralled in it. So listeners out there, listener out there, whatever, um, go check out the, the join the resistance trilogy entirely. And you'll get what I'm talking about. But Klimo, the Rodian should have been what, what Jar Jar was like, there should have been something similar in that. Like that, that would have redeemed that whole, it could have been a lot better that Jar Jar character kind of thing, but anyways, yeah, the second the second book was written um, right as Trump was inaugurated, so if it feels like more of a, mm. a harrowing book, yeah, 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 that's that's some why that's that's some why. <laughs> okay, okay, um, but the but the third one, yeah, and also you know there's the tradition of the Empire that says like let's put everybody up a tree and throw rocks, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, I'm just saying, keep going. Read that. Read that third one. I know. I know. I know. I, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm not, not you. Not you. I'm just saying to the listener. Everyone in general leads to. They're they're so fun. There's so many little callbacks and tiebacks and like and just little fun new things as well. And I guess that's a good little segue into uh, uh, the next part. Writing for Star Wars. What the hell is that like? 
do you have like a do you have to write like a sentence get it cleared by or how much license are you given walk walk us through it i'm so curious so what happened was what happened was uh our friend uh i think it was i think it was greg rucka uh greg rucka a writer of some acclaim who was responsible for um gcpd uh okay that, yeah that great, oh, okay that great batman book yeah said that his uh old editor from those days was now working at marvel I, i'm sorry at uh at star wars cool uh, publishing and wanted to get in touch with us about writing something so was it okay to pass along uh it, it could have been brubaker i feel terrible about uh not having the names at the tip of my tongue but could he put in, in touch with us to write some star wars and they had this idea for um internally a book about what was his name greg grumberg's character snaps wexley yes they had an idea for a book about snaps wexley and the the internal conversations they were having in the publishing office was the touchstones were the tick and sparks nevada marshall on mars part of the thrilling adventure hour and somebody had the idea that was well why don't we see if those thrilling adventure hour guys would want to write this and so they they reached out because they knew he knew us. We got on the phone. Uh, he pitched us the book, uh, said, are you interested? I remember vividly saying, um, one of us said, Our, my memories and his blur together, my writing partner, that's the way it goes. One of us said, do we have to pretend to, do we have to get off the phone and pretend to talk about it? Or can we just say yes? <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Like, do we, how much hardball? Are we supposed to play here? What, right. What's what's like, appropriate? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we want to play Star Wars twice? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's they, like, mm, I don't know. Right? So they spent they spent a while chasing down JJ because he had to approve things. And because Snaps Wexley was his creation, uh, whew, I maybe have signed an NBA. Um Anyway, long story short. I can edit out whatever you want. <laughs> long story short, it wasn't going to work uh, because uh, through nobody's fault, through only because JJ was um, busy making the movie Star Wars. Yeah. Um, mm. And so the uh, the editor said, um, "Hey, why don't we? Here's the other idea. What if we do Goonies in space, and it's the kids who want to fly the X wings, and yes. that way we we can just say yes right now. Um, we don't have." to get permission if we make up all new characters. So we were like, yeah, okay, let's, yes, Goonies and, yes. That's exactly what do I, have to pre- do we have to pretend to have a, kind of, yeah, <laughs> we want to do that. We want to do that. Um, and so they flew us up. They made us sign these NDAs, as I recall, they're not important. And um, they showed us the store, the, um, the, uh, what do you call the PowerPoint presentation version of, uh, that movie, that Star Wars movie, that Jake mm. was doing. They uh, they they showed us like some uh, storyboards, some shots from the thing, nothing moving. And then they got to a certain point, and they were like, "And then there's a Star Wars. You don't have to worry about it. It's not going <laughs> to worry about book. it." No, it was the best way to watch that movie is to know that it's going to be good and still be able to be surprised when you go to the good theater call, good one call. Month, one month later and see it. Mm-hmm. I remember we met the story group. Or three people in the story group, we were allowed to ask questions. Um, I remember the high road that was taken when I referred to 
the plural of them as Jedis, uh, I imagine that if that's your everyday bread and butter, when someone says Jedis, you just want to ruin them. And the high road was taken because the guy was like, he just worked Jedi as the plural of Jedi into a sentence mm-hmm. as if like, as if I had said the right thing. Like it was just mm-hmm. uh, as Canadians who relate to this unerringly polite. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. You know, and, as um, we do. I know. Right. And uh, we asked what kind of, well, I remember the question we asked was what kind of alien is Yoda? Nice. And being told nobody knows. <laughs> We're still working on say, it. And, and saying, well, then we're going to land on it in our book. And then the worried look of the three-story group people. <laughs> Eyeballs just. It was like, we're not, they're not, they're not going to do that. They're not going <laughs> to do that. Uh, and they were right. We did not, we did not do that. Um, but it was a good, it was a good hang. And then they basically, they let us like pitch them stuff. And the way that it works with, um, with the story group, is that they see everything. As you may know, they see everything that's coming through from every thing. So their concerns were less like somebody wouldn't do that, somebody wouldn't say that, and more like we're going to have a Wookiee in jail uh, in a thing coming up. Mm. So instead of a Wookiee in your prison sequence, what if you do this kind of creature, which is whatever we ended up with, which you see at the beginning of Rogue One, the abominable snowman type alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Right? So we were like, yeah, okay. Sure. Right. We're writing for Star Wars, um, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you're, they're your toys, boss. Like, yeah. It was it was real, cool. like, hands-off-y. It was real um, go ahead and invent. And and for the the bump story, where that felt like not as canonical as you'd think they let it like i was like they're not going to let us create the canon that's that stormtroopers all have video <laughs> cameras and audio recorders in their helmets that seems big and their concern was more if they left this planet at this time how do they get back to the death star because the millennium falcon's faster figuring out the logistics right. of it yeah 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 and it was like well they do it doesn't it doesn't matter and they're like no it you have to like put in the two seconds. Okay. You don't know the type then of nerds we deal with. This matters. Well, we need to for explain me, this. The thought was like, wouldn't that be fun for the nerds to like argue about? Yeah. And figure out, yeah. But like that was important to them, and so it's important to me, you know. Um so we put in the sentence, like one of them needed had sun poisoning, needed to go back, so they like they went back. They went off early. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, okay. If that may, like Sure. 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 I, she ordered it, and you don't. And you don't care that, that we're saying that they can record things with their helmets, because that feels really big to me. Yeah, but that's like no. Was there any? Was there anything else that you really wanted to include, and they said no? No. No. And then he pulled um, out a lightsaber and just started hacking. But I, I think there might have been more explicit, like when we were plotting out the characters in the first place it was like what was it uh mississippi luke skywalker uh gay han solo and his robot brother <laughs> hannah from skins and posh spice were like swirling around and yeah i think that they 
they were like they were they were sensitive about gay Han Solo. Huh. Mm. Yeah, not yeah. sensitive, but like you know, just make sure that implicit, not explicit, and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. But uh well it, I hope we're allowed to say all this. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Hey. It's we're well, we, sure, we, we tick that little box on our on our uh explicit podcast notification guy thinks we're swearing oh no not on your podcast because of ndas oh ndas oh yes. that's too, yeah <laughs> those, those those don't hold up in court yeah, exactly. those are just right i mean like i guess the books are out that's all the information yeah that's, yeah. That that's what they're about yeah yeah so I hope, I hope that they're like don't leak the stuff in the book as opposed to like don't talk about the process <laughs> talk about it. well exactly uh, i'm sure that's what that means certainly um yeah. Yeah, your listenership is one guy and three hundred lawyers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all, all Disney's at lawyers, least like the people. hounds. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! Um, but uh, yeah, so and then they, oh sorry, yeah. go ahead. Uh, and then the, uh, it was really hard and really fun, and we got to do. I got to go to the North Texas Teen Book Festival for the release of the first book. Cool, which was just the. Um, just one of the best things I've ever done in my life was walking into this thing with another Star Wars writer who said, uh, do you know what this, what this festival is? I said, I, I, I haven't, I, I don't know. I assume it is like Comic-Con. And he said, no, 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 this isn't the North team, North Texas team book festival. This is the North Texas team book festival. These are kids who love reading so much that they're bussing in about it. And this is two months into Trump. And to have like Texas kids all come because they love to read and they love books and they love stories mm -hmm. was really moving to me. It was really like my heart grew three sizes, you know, wow. and to be able to, to sit next to R.L. Stein and sign a hundred copies of the book. That oh, that's sent, cool. Uh, to write, to inscribe in 100 books for 100 kids in Texas in what, 2016 uh, resist felt boom just still feels powerful to me wow you know yeah wow. that's incredible well just the, and like you said the the whole camaraderie aspect behind your books that i'm reading so far enjoying the resistance it's just like it's like i have to know what what's what's happening to these kids like what how does this end now that i've started it's like it's one of the characters parents are, one of the characters in this resistance's parents are with the empire yep and it, it wasn't meaning, it wasn't like, it's not that it wasn't meaningful, but it wasn't, it didn't feel like part of a greater meaning when we wrote it. But by the time it came out, it was a librarian who had read an early edition of the book without tweeting details, talked about how grateful she was to be able to have this book to give to kids who might disagree with their parents in a certain way in the country at the time. And it was like, yeah, no kidding. I know exactly That's, who you're talking about in the story there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It, like it, 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 I don't know. It, 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 with, with writing things for this audience comes great responsibility. Boom. Mm. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it there. Um, yeah. And to tie, well, to tie in that character in particular, like with the original trilogy as well and, and their mm. lineage and that, like I saw the name and I was like, I know that name. And so I Wikipedia'd it right away. I was like, oh, it's that person. Oh, sweet. But then right. it gets into a more expanded storyline about how, how that guy's kids are part of the first resistance and how it's like 
this kid that's now in it now is again a part of something that that he doesn't necessarily believe in so it's it's a great 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 story and i i'm, I'm very excited to keep going with it so it's uh it, it's carried th- me through a couple uh a couple of good stints on the exercise bike and uh um i think i should uh you know my heart will be a few sizes bigger as well by the end of it just from all the <laughs> cardio work i'm getting listening to these uh these great stories so it's right uh it's it's a yeah, great, great, great set of stories for sure. Join the resistance. And if you're in like Audible or audiobook.com, this isn't a plug. We're not paid for anything of uh, anything like this. The audiobook counts as one credit. It's all one big, long trilogy, which is, right. you know, it's 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 so accessible. So, uh, yeah, go check it out. It's it's absolutely awesome for sure. Um, absolutely love it. So, yeah, I, I I don't want to give away any spoilers, but I feel like anything else that I ask you right now is just going to be riddled with it for uh, the stories itself. Um, uh, what are you most excited for? And st- uh, what what are your thoughts on Star Wars these days? Like, uh, have you been? I'm guessing you're watching The Mandalorian. You're <laughs> ever? No, you haven't no, been. No, no, I haven't been. I uh, I'm fussy about space westerns. Hmm. Mm. I would I would say the Mandalorian is 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 fairly top tier for in 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 that regard in terms of references yeah and and, and pulls back you know like Kurosawa and it's really well put together I think Fabs yeah. and Filoni know their stuff so yeah, I, I would say even, even the most critical people I think have enjoyed it right on I'll check it out not that I have to, but that's not that I have to sell it to you. Like, does he's doing okay? I was waiting for one person to tell me. You were waiting for yeah. me. I know. What does like Ryan think? I'll be on a podcast or walking down the street and someone will be like, you should watch it. And I'll be like, okay. I felt like, uh, like I, I've had this idea before where there needs to be like a David Attenborough narrated version mm-hmm. in the Star Wars universe with all of just the, species all the creatures there. And and what you did and what you created and how you made this this essentially I'll give this away, it's not really much of a giveaway. There's a world that was taken back from this gangster group led by a hut, and there was like a big game reserve or a big zoo that was there, and now it's so. This was my first analogy of join the resistance that I've I've listened to so far, is that it's Star Wars meets Goonies meets Jurassic Park Lost World. In like a kind of jailbreak format kind of thing. Now, do you know what that was based on? No. Escobar's <gasps> No way. Oh. Like what you know, you you know that story that Escobar yep. had the these yep. wild animals and when he was deposed, they just left the them animals free. there. Yep. And now it's it, they've got wild animals. And we were like, what if there's an Escobar hut that just had was an exotic animals trainer trader who provided huts with their weird little shoulder yeah, like the rancors and, and the and everything mm-hmm. yeah yeah rancors and all that and so uh and and he's uh, he or she i can't remember is gone and all the animals that we could have there are there okay well but it was it all started with escobar pablo that's amazing oh, senor medellin that's we cool. need a medellin of uh <laughs> of star <laughs> wars get vinnie through, chase involved uh, in that one too. and his friends <laughs> For our very special edition eh, of Good Morning Alderaan, we're joined by someone who has worked in the visualization department on dozens of movies, including The Avengers, Thor the Dark World, X-Men Days of Future Past, Godzilla King of the Monsters, Men in Black International, The Predator, Detective Pikachu, 
Casper, one of my all-time favorites, and even the upcoming title, Cruella. All that said, Mark's list of titles in front of the camera isn't quite as long, but a very notable character that Mark has been able to play was Boba Fett himself in 1997's special edition remake, not remake, re-jigging, I guess you could say, editions of A New Hope, uh, while also designing and like all of or a lot of the creatures involved in that as well. Uh, so yeah, we just want to welcome Mark Anthony Austin. Mark, how are you today, my man? I am particularly good because it's Friday. <laughs> Friday, but, yeah, Friday. It's a good day to do this podcast on. Amazing. <laughs> well, I won't Ready ask for you for any. There we go. Well, it's a good thing we didn't ask you for like a live May the Fourth on Tuesday kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Schedules schedules might conflict there or something. So yeah, yeah I got my May the Fourth celebrating to do. So you know, oh, well, absolutely, enough. absolutely. Yeah. That's like that's like St. Patty's Day for like for Star Wars nerds like yeah. us. So yeah. that's our that's our jam. That's our holiday. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So Mark, how about you just take us back to the start? Like, what goes on in the visual effects department? What do you what What's your main jam with within your industry as to what you do? Uh, well, it's changed. It's it started off uh, just animation, like just animation. When I joined ILM, I was an animator. You know, I was a two D animator. They taught me the computer, so they created this three D animator that got snapped up by Disney for a number of years. And when I left Disney in two thousand and nine. I switched roles. I jumped out of animation and into cinematography. Cool. So I jumped out of doing the single shot, and now I concentrate on the sequence. So I'm working mm-hmm. with the forest and not the trees anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's changed. 2009, it changed to cinematography, and it's been cinematography since then. Only now with Netflix, I am using a lot of my animation and cinematography to create movies for them. So. It's both now. Very cool. Yeah. Very so cool. it's it's like you're just kind of incorporating a lot of that experience yeah. and and giving you the the full picture as uh, as you're saying there. So yeah, Netflix are, are quick to jump onto you know people's strengths, and so very quickly they they set me up and I put me, put me onto an animated feature, uh, which I guess is coming out this year. I can tell you what that is. That's called a uh, back back to the outback. This movie is going to go straight to Netflix. Uh, Mm -hmm. Back to the Outback. It's about uh, creatures escaping from an Australian zoo trying to get back to their home. Hmm. Finding out maybe their home wasn't exactly what it was. (laughs) Oh, um, interesting. That's cool. It's it's not going to win. I don't think it's going to win any awards or anything, but it's a really charming movie. And um, yeah, I just was so grateful to uh, join Netflix who just treat me like an artist. So. Um, yeah, I got nothing awesome. to say about Netflix. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Netflix. You got me through this pandemic. Uh, yeah. Both, both employed and unemployed. <laughs> Amazing. Netflix and Disney Plus has been like a yeah. co-parent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who needs babysitters? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Set it and forget it. So let's go back in time a little bit then. So you went to the University of Surrey, correct? Yeah, uh, West Surrey College of Art and Design. It was WSCAD, a big mouthful. WestCAD, we called it. Right, right, right. Um, but it's the same college that, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with James Baxter. He's a very uh, famous animator. Um, mm-hmm. He was in my, the year above, below me. 
he was in the year below, below me, but he left after one year because there's nothing college could teach him. And he could teach college. No kidding. Uh, he, wow. was, he was a master back in the day. So, um, But yeah, Surrey. It was in Surrey in England. Right next to where they shot, actually, the battle for Gladiator. Uh, oh, cool. Battle against yeah. the, uh, the German yeah. barbarians. Germanic yeah. woods, yeah. And then they went back to the same field uh, for a move I worked on uh, for Warhols. It was a is the cavalry charge oh, nice. that we worked out, and they yep. found the location. It was right next to my college. So, wow. No kidding. Shoot, cool. Cool. Then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds like it's it's bred quite the stock. This uh, this this little spot you went to, because <laughs> like right after you graduated, you had this movie. Uh, now, sorry, was it a short film that you, it was uh, Father? Yeah, it was correct. Yeah. It was, well, in if you're doing a degree in animation. The first two years, you're learning animation, you're doing tests. The third year is when you have to spend the whole year storyboarding and making a film, and then that film gets judged. So you kind of put all your eggs into one basket and present it as, like, this is everything I've learned about animation. And uh, I remember when I was, I'd storyboarded it, and the guy came in to look at the storyboards, and he said, this is too ambitious. <laughs> it seems like a, this seems like a six-minute film you're trying to accomplish here. Because you don't have time, you don't have time. You've got like four months to make this movie, and I said <sighs> I don't want to chop anything out. And so I made it. It ended up ten minutes long. <laughs> Prove that guy wrong. Yeah, rules. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Now, now you just for BAFTA in the end. Oh wow! Wow! Yeah, so cool. So cool. Well, that, and like that's just got to be a huge confidence boost for you, right yeah. out of school as well, right? Like. Because as a yeah. student, you don't... Confidence miss- was up here. And then, <laughs> um, you know, I didn't get a job for a year and a half. That's I'm not... A bartender that's... for a year and a half. Pretty good one. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to be a bartender for the rest of my life at one point. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty so, cool. Um, so, like, in regards to, like, Star Wars... Um, you, did you? What was like your personal connection to it? Like, were you a fan beforehand? Oh, um, you know. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen what's behind him? <laughs> Are you a fan? Like, I don't know. Well, do you collect it, any collectibles? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had to. I had to stop collecting Star Wars and just solely collect Boba Fett at one point. Nice. I do. I do. I do deviate. Anything cool that I have to have, like the probe droid. Got to buy yeah. a probe droid. Naturally. Um, but as a kid, um, Star Wars came along at a point in my life where my family life was being kind of picked up and like put through mm-hmm. the ringer. Uh, it was a time. It was a time in life when I I thought my father. So I made a movie. I thought my father mm-hmm. uh, just was harder on me because I was the eldest. I uh, mm-hmm. found out that he wasn't my father. So maybe that's why. Oh, wow. wow. But through, through those years, my mother and my stepfather separated. It was a big upheaval. It was so much uh, emotion. And uh, we were actually living on my aunt's floor for six months. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, tr- a tremendously emotional time. So Star Wars became my escape. Mm-hmm. Star Wars came out and I just flew off in my head to that galaxy and just hid from the world. So... I, I owe a lot to George. Uh, he, you know, he probably, you know, he probably has done the same for many kids. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, he he got me through some tough years, 
and mm-hmm. um, I came out the other side, you know, stronger for it. So uh, amazing. Yeah, that's so really amazing. Was, was not just a passion; it became my escape. I just I lost myself in Star Wars, and yeah. you know, that mail of that mail away figure for you know the new figure from the next movie came out, and I read the bio and it. Said, you know, these guys are alone. I thought, well, it's just like me. Because you know, mm-hmm. I, I have had, I've had lots of friends along the way, but I've never, I've always been a bit of a loner. I, I, mm-hmm. I never, I've never got friends, but I don't have like a single friend that's been with me my whole life. Because I've moved mm-hmm. around a lot. So, yeah. Um, so when I read the bio, he's a loner, he's a bounty hunter. Yes, because I love. Clint Eastwood and Spaghetti Westerns. Nice. <laughs> Star Wars and Bounty Hunting. Oh, so, you know, and I saw the uh, character, you know, the design and everything was, you know, had the poncho. Yeah. had like a T-visor, just like Greek helmets or Spartan yeah. helmets. Mm-hmm. Just everything about it had like multiple gadgets. It was colorful. He had like complexity. Uh, but he looked kind of like he was a, in some, like the, I love the stormtroopers, mm-hmm. but if you ever try to move fast in a stormtrooper uniform, it's pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. I figured, even though it's not easy to move fast in a Bonfet suit, it looks feasibly more. It looks cooler. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> when I looked at the, the, the description and the figure, I just fell in love with the character on the spot. And so, sorry, mm-hmm. stormtrooper, that you was my favorite, but <laughs> now this guy, whatever he is, whatever he does. Mm. I didn't care. I was, I was in love. So, so this is like um, an obvious question. So, Boba Fett is like your all-time favorite character, yeah. hands yeah. down. Yeah. And a lot of people think, oh, because you're Boba Fett, that's why you like Boba Fett. Because right. you were Boba Fett, of course you're going to say Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah. They let me be Boba Fett because I was the biggest Boba Fett fan, right? And everyone knew it. So, so, so how did how did that uh, how did that happen? Yeah, I know you were already working on the the visual side for the special edition, correct? So did no. they approach you? No, no. They just oh this wow. This was way before then. This was six months before then. Wow. Oh wow. I was working on Casper. I was working on that ah. Wow. I guess I, was, I guess that, so that, with that timeline and everything because it it came out in '97, but there's years ahead of time that that's yeah. all being produced and yeah. and and filmed. It was and, shot December '94. Wow. Uh, and. Work on the special edition started July of '95. Oh wow! Oh, wow. So okay. it shot six months before uh, I got to. I got picked to be. Well, they were going to have two animators, so I thought I'm never going to get on that show because I heard well, yeah. from Casper that finally something was moving. That the the the, the sand crawler was starting to move. <laughs> Inching towards Star Wars, you know, yeah. it's been. Rumors before then, rumors, loads of rumors. But finally, oh, something's happening. And then we heard, oh, they want two guys. Oh, damn it. You know, I'm never going to get chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd made a good uh, stake uh, at ILM on Casper. They they loved my first animation so much, they made me the uh, uh, supervisor and animator for Casper. Mm-hmm. And then when I... Uh, was working on Casper, they realized my, I, I was pretty good doing his cocky kind of Casper self. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted lots of cocky Casper in the trailer. And so they gave me this trailer shot. There's a girl on my bed. Yes. Yes. That shot. <laughs> uh, they wanted that in the trailer awesome. desperately. So they gave me that. And, you know, from then I, I had a good 
standing in a bit of island. So when they said they wanted two animators, I figured, uh, I've, made, I've had a good, you know, I've made a good thumbprint on the company, but mm-hmm. not enough to kind of get me uh, one of those slots. Right. And John Null came along and said, oh, I'm taking all of the spaceship shots. And he, he can't do creature animation or character animation. He mm-hmm. can do ships flying past in cameras, but he can't do creatures. So uh, they needed one guy. So it went from two guys to one guy, and luckily I got picked. But it's pure coincidence that I was picked six months after doing that blue screen shoot. No kidding. Mm. Wow. Oh, wow. Like I always pictured and envisioned like that's really cool. You were the guy doing the writing or the, the animating and they're like, Oh, it's your time. Here you go. You yeah. know your big bubble fat man. But wow, that is so wow. cool. The, the guy who the guy who was organizing it, who ended up being uh Boba Fett and Return of the Jedi, Don Bees. Mm-hmm. Don Bees ran the archives. Don Bees was organizing this special thing at the uh, summit at the ranch. And so uh, he gave me my first opportunity to jump in the suit for this summit at Skywalker Ranch uh, because he knew I was a big Boba Fett fan. Like, and, and he he said to me when I went to the archives, he said, "If the suit, if the flight suit doesn't fit you, the the flight suit that everything's going to attach to, mm-hmm. the flight suit doesn't fit you, you won't be able to do it." <gasps> wow. So he said, "Come along." Pressure's on. I yeah. I I'm hoping it fits you, but if it doesn't, we'll find you an equally cool other character. Like, like, like this is for <laughs> oh, come me. on. <laughs> for me. So, um, yeah, so that flight suit zipper was my Cinderella and the slipper moment. <laughs> it was like Godray, even though we're inside, the Godray's coming in into the <sighs> ceiling. Angels. Angelic choirs. It Somebody was, doves were flying behind you. For a, a huge, it's like that's the difference. Well, I just came back from Nashville. I was at Nashville last week for right. ICCC. Yeah. And someone said to me, uh, you know, uh, how, how, what was it like being on the suit? And I said, you, you're, you're talking to me as if I am an actor. I said, if I was yeah. an actor, and they said, oh, you got a part. Oh, what is it? This guy called Boba Fett. Okay, what's he do? I just walk on with this gun. Okay, but I was at the suit. Okay, I put the suit on. Oh, it's a bit awkward, you know. Uh, what mm-hmm. do I have to do? And then talk with it. With me, it was like, where's the suit? I know the character. <laughs> no, what do I have to do? You know, everything was the other way around. It was a completely different experience to me than it would have been for, say, Jeremy. Well, Jeremy right. was a professional actor. He was, you know, it's his job. So he approaches that role a different mindset to me. So when I when when I did get to speak to him, um, we would always talk about the differences between the two of us. You know, whether he uh, this, the last time I saw him was London Film and Comic Con 2017, mm-hmm. and we did there was four Boba Fett's on the stage, mm-hmm. and behind stage he was telling me all this stuff and saying, you know, you guys were, you know, I'm thinking of. Uh, retiring, you guys are the torchbearers. You and Baby Fat, which is what he called Daniel. Daniel, <laughs> Baby Fat. You and Baby Fat are the torchbearers. You know, you you got to you got to carry on. You got to you know continue the legacy, and I think you did a great job. You have a good uh, rapport with the fans, and that's important. Mm-hmm. The fans have got to be called. Cool. That's right. And, uh, you know, so yeah, I, I got my pep talk from Jeremy, and um, yeah, and so I'm. 
you know, at the time doing these things and, and mm-hmm. doing what he told me to. Awesome. Well, talks. embracing it. So I guess some of those friendships that you're talking about, did yeah. those begin at like the convention scenes and you guys would be mm-hmm. sitting together in these like FET booths basically and then yeah. you just see each other every couple yeah. of weekends we at these conventions? And... So we get to know each other and it's, as, again, someone said, what's the coolest thing about uh, being over FET? And I said, the coolest thing I would never have predicted and that is befriending all my childhood heroes. Mm. Right. Like, they're my friends now. Like, it's weird. Mm. Like, my first con, I was next to David Prowse, and oh, wow. this side That's was Phil cool. Brown, uh, Uncle Owen. And at least we were, I was, like, more looking at them than I was. To, <laughs> to, Do, you know. Can I get your autograph next after <laughs> yeah. after that lineup is done? You know. <laughs> but then it was a, such a small venue that when the crowds disappeared, we had so much time to talk. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you just kill time with these guys. So you spend, you know, I just came back from natural, like I said, and that was like a, it's meant to be a 10 hour day. It ends up about a 14 hour day, really. Right. But that's 14 hours you're spending every day with these guys that, um, you know, that end up swapping emails and, are you going to the con? Like, oh, yeah, I'm going. Oh, I can't make it out of England. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you kind of these... like coordinate a little bit and just say, you know, yeah. get this well, booth. Just, I'm going to be no, here. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see you. You go to Nashville. Oh, I'll see you there, kind of thing. So, mm. oh, that's awesome. It's great having, uh, you know, like Squidhead's a good friend of mine, Jeremy, uh, Gerald Hong. He's a good friend mm-hmm. of mine. No kidding. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who's like, oh, are you going to Nashville? Yeah, I can't make it over, but hopefully I'll see you and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. Yeah. That, that was, I wouldn't have predicted that, and that was one of the best things to come from doing this. That's amazing. For me. No kidding. That's really cool. Well, you become a part of a community, like this this Star Wars thing. Yeah. Like it this is this is no news to anyone i think either listening or any of you star it's it's a big deal and by big deal it means like it's more than just the movie like you said you got those childhood attachments to it you got mm-hmm. the this community it's an icebreaker with you know 50% of people out there you know if you just say hey do you mm-hmm. like star wars yeah. a lot of the times they're going to get like a oh are you kidding me of course i yeah. love it it's it, it's like i literally right before this i connected with someone on linkedin over a Star Wars comment that they'd made and I would just chirped in on it. We went back and forth, ended up connecting and I might get some voiceover gigs out of that now there just because <laughs> of Star Wars. It's like, it's this this community thing that brings people together and makes people, you know, better for it because yeah. you, it's, it's a good icebreaker, as I said, but then you get that little bit extra and you can then get past yeah. that layer and like, who who's the you? Who's the real Mark? <laughs> and just... Yeah. Create a friendship out of that. So that's Star Wars family. Certainly, certainly. Yeah, I feel like Daniel is my long lost brother from another mother. We're we're pretty, (laughs) we're pretty tight. Your your banter on the uh, the social media is pretty pretty good. I will say, I'm surprised (laughs) you guys don't have your own podcast like like the Fets or something like that. (laughs) Well, there was talk about at one stage, and uh, yeah, it almost happened. Oh, that'd be awesome. Oh, that that, you can make that a show. You You can still do it. Maybe, maybe. I think he wants to try something on his own. Because mm. uh, us getting together is, um, you know, every time, especially these kind of days where, you, you know, I always feel like, you know, I, well, I haven't been out and about, you know, you always worry about bringing COVID to the house. Yeah. Or, mm. You know, it's, it's, I, I can't wait till we're over that. Oh, I so, know. Yeah. Um, till it's, it's not at, weird it's to, like, the, embrace. It was good at the convention because everyone I met, being vaccinated, that was our first question. 
It wasn't oh, wow. the first question in, uh, are you vaccinated? No. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, like, are you vaccinated? You know, a friendly uh, yeah. question, but... Um, Absolutely, we're yeah. we're we're a little bit behind up in Canada here, but uh, we're we're yeah. slowly making our way. Yeah, slowly <laughs> to that to that ground. Uh, well, although Andy and Pat are, are both vaccinated, I've got nothing yet, <laughs> so I'm just just hauled up hold up in my house for now. <laughs> well, you got your I, martini, so you're good. I, I'm a homebody, so COVID, I, I've <laughs> dealt with it very well, and so is my family. All my family are homebodies. So as soon as I knew we were going to go into lockdown, uh, the only concern was work. But mm-hmm. then um, Netflix, two weeks before anyone was talking about going home, Netflix sent us home. Like, cool. I didn't know, I didn't, hadn't even heard about it. I had to look at why we're being sent home. Like, mm-hmm. Being so involved in the movie, which I, I do get, I get, when I get into a movie, I'm like a, an ostrich with its head in the sand, but the sand is the movie. Yeah, like, Your immerse yourself in it. It's mm-hmm. happening, but I'm in the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm terrible for doing that. And so stuff happens in the world, and I'm like, what? What happened? And people are like, don't think, <laughs> what happened on social media? Like, what happens? You know, uh, but um, yeah, I managed to, they, they uh, bubble wrapped and sanitized my screen that I'm looking at right now, my other screens, keyboard, mouse, tower, stylus, everything. And just wow. sent it to my home, and I've been there ever since. So. Wow. So do you think you're going to be back in the office at some time soon? Or are you quite comfortable? Do you love working from home? How's that transition been for you? I know you said you're a homebody, so I'm, I'm assuming yeah. okay, but you just never um, know. They want to go back to the office. Uh, and I think going back to the office for one afternoon would be beneficial so that all of us can get our heads together and see each other and brainstorm. I'd rather do that on a Monday and then go home and work the rest of the week having had that interaction. but. Um, you know, I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not that worried. I, back in 94, going back to 94 again, back to ILM, they're teaching me the computer, and I'm thinking, oh, thank God for that, because in 10 years' time, I want to work, work you know, from home and choose wherever I live and be able to, like, send my work <laughs> down the phone line. And naively, I thought that would happen in 10 years. Um, but studios just weren't trusting, especially if you, you're fast. I get penalized for being fast. Like if I work oh, for wow. a studio and I finish my shot, oh, here's another one. You know, you get penalized. If you were in a factory, you, you know, stamping out more, I don't know, license plates or something. License but... <laughs> plates than everyone else. You get bonus. But in the movie industry, if you're fast, you're penalized. You just mm. get more work. work. Yeah. Yeah. But then you're yeah. expected more work. So your expectation, expectation level is here. Everyone else is here, and they see that's fair, right? Mm. At Disney, at Disney, at one time, uh, is it, I'm, I was married what, one time before, and going mm. through divorce, and so my my productivity came down. And Disney, like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong with you? And kind of like as soon as I came back up again, they were fine. But it's like the, the, the bean counters were like, you're not making the numbers, you know, poking you with a mm. stick and just yeah. like, come on, yeah, draw so, faster. <laughs> Being fast is not necessarily a good thing, but then I, I do. I've never had to look for work because people know you work fast, and so mm-hmm. you're on their show. And certainly, if you do good work, then people hear about it and, and you get some offers. So Amazing. I've been lucky. 
Yeah, well, well, no shortage of that good work. Just your your resume alone speaks for itself, and your sizzle reel that I watched <laughs> yeah. the other day, I was just like, oh, this, this is absolutely incredible. So that's that's a pretty Whoa. sweet resume right there that you can uh, wag in front of whomever you wish to uh, animate for. So so Netflix is lucky to have you, certainly. Yeah. Well, you. Casper, right? If I'm correct, was the first fully computer animated main character, right? The feature mm-hmm. in a movie. Yeah, yeah so that's to, quite that's quite an incredible thing to have on your resume that you yeah. were part of bringing that to life. Yeah, and I, ne- I never thought of how far that would go. Uh, I, I didn't realize I, I was working. I just saw, oh, I'm at Lucasfilm, and that's all I could see. And what I didn't see was the fact that we were spearheading some of the, um, you know, the computer graphics. Like mm-hmm. we had to we had to do lip sync. And it's like, how the hell are we going to do this? And we're thinking yeah, of wow. like a, a rotating jaw. Um, we're thinking of putting uh, motion sensors on actors' lips and recording the, the deformation. And in the end, we opted, we tried the deformation, but we opted for what we call blend shapes. In other words, you make a shape which is the most extreme open mouth, like, ah, and you have a closed mm-hmm. mouth. And if you animate a key on the closed mouth, open mouth, it Looks like the mouth's opening. Mm-hmm. So that's a premise for the whole of the lip sync. We just made different. Wow. If it's an A, you make a different shape. If it's mm-hmm. a D, it's like an upside down D. You know, you have to make all of the phoneme shapes and then animate between them to make it as fluid as possible. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't realize make it make sense. how, how uh, like on, on the tip of the spearhead we were. But, um, Honestly, well, well, you know, Lucasfilm is, is known for that, just being absolute pioneers. And if the technology isn't there, then, you know, they, they made it, they make it. Yeah. So and, yeah. and you're a part of that. So well, as uh, was got uh, grabbed by D- Disney, they were like, oh, look, these guys, you know, these guys, they know the computer now. So they grabbed <laughs> us and, and took us over. And that's what put us on to Disney's first big CG feature, which was Dinosaur. Yeah. Hmm. So we kind of oh, yeah. we kind of called ourselves uh, the, the CG nine old men, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The nine, nine old men of computers. Yeah. The, yeah. the nine samurai. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to ask you one more quick question in in regards to Boba Fett. Boba Fett, have you kept current mm-hmm. on Mandalorian? Of course. And what was that? question? I know. <laughs> You think question. so? You think it would be, but we've we've had guests on before who have worked in Star Wars, and we asked them that, like thinking, like, yeah. so you know about the Mandalorian, right? They're like, nah, I haven't, yeah. not yeah. really and into even, it. Even so, interviews okay. in podcasts have done where the interviewer doesn't like stuff with the Mandalorian. Oh, really? And then they're defending it. Yeah, it's <laughs> to me, it's like it's just really brought Star Wars back. Like, yeah. I feel like that's the the new thing to really. It, it, they've done such a good job going after the long-term fan, but I also think really setting up the future fan. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But your thoughts on Boba Fett appearing in that, like Tamara Morrison returning for that, like what, what was it like for you to see that? Okay. Okay, this is in a <laughs> nutshell. <laughs> I, was, I was worried. Uh, I was worried that if they were, I'd rather they not do it, the Mandalorian, uh, and if they were, unless they did it right. Yeah. If they would mm-hmm. do it badly, I'd rather they not do it. Right. If they're going to mm-hmm. do it half-assed, I'd rather not do it. Because they did it and they put everything in, it went all out. It's like someone had like crept into my brain and read all my wish list for Boba Fett and the Mandalorian. Favreau Brody! Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Holy crap! So for me, it was like, for someone to do what you want them to do is is 
kind of miraculous when you see mm-hmm. it on screen. And so, again, I was at the London uh, Film and Comic Con with Jeremy. Jeremy had the microphone. We were on stage. Someone says, what do you feel about, because at that time it was a Boba Fett movie spin-off. Mm-hmm. That was the right. News. That yeah. was the big rumor. That was the rumor going around. So, said, yeah. what, so Jeremy's got the mic. Someone says, you know, what do you feel about the Boba Fett spin-off movie? And he said, I think this is a question for you, Mark. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Just dodge <laughs> that. Like, oh, no one's going to want to hear my answer. So I'm either going to do I answer and give the fans what they want to hear, or just be honest. So I thought, I'll just be honest. So I just said, I am just worried that then they're going to show too much, which they mm-hmm. never haven't. They haven't shown too much of Dinger in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, where they have shown him, it's been a very, you know, privy number of eyes on him, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... I, I was worried that they would just show him and you know, he just walks around all the time with his helmet off and just like, puts mm-hmm. him on to do some fighting. I was worried they were going to go some kind of weird route. I was worried that they weren't going to use Tamura because he's not his son, it's a clone. Yeah. So mm-hmm. as much as I love you, Daniel, he can't be you. That was a question of mine, yeah. I said that to him because he was campaigning. I said, Dan- yeah. Daniel, I can't support you on this because... <laughs> you are I, not if, genetically Timur Morrison. Yeah, yeah. If, if it was Boba Fett's son, I would be 100% campaigning for you. I said, but it's a clone, so it has to look... You could play him in the earlier stages, which you did in the movie. Mm-hmm. But yep. adult, it's got to have his face. It's got to be either CG his face... Or they got a bribe here, bribe him to come out of New Zealand and do it. Um, but I was worried, and the, it was like you could hear a pin drop in the London film coming up. Oh, I can imagine. Nobody, my brother was in the audience, and he said afterwards, Oh, that was the wrong answer. I'm like, That's not the wrong answer. It's my answer. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, so fast forward, uh, it comes out. Um, my theory when I heard it was going to be a Mandalorian, I thought, Oh, smart. Better to test the water with someone that's not Boba Fett, just to see, make sure, and then pending, then I'll be all for Boba Fett. And so it's like they did that. They, 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 the first episode I was sold. The opening yeah. scene, the opening sequence. Oh my sold. god! That whole thing in, in the bar—it was just like the spaghetti western on through the saloon mm-hmm. doors and it's, just yeah. yeah, it's everything. Everything's perfect. So yeah, um, yeah. I and oh, then Boba Fett. Okay, Boba Fett comes along. So uh, by the time Boba Fett came along, I, I was pre- I had my trust in these guys, but I still was worried that they do something that messed messed because I've written a story of Boba Fett and it hasn't been out yet. But there's 34 chapters written, and I was worried that it was gonna. They were going to say something because everything to this point had been supportive of my story. My story is after the Sarlacc, alongside Jedi, when Red was doing their thing in the Empire, and my story goes alongside that. It's happening at the same time as all these big battles is happening in Endor, but it's Boba Fett's kind of like how he climbs back onto the into the yeah. mm-hmm. having to deal with the fact that he's failed, having to the the, the to deal with the fact that he hasn't got his gadgets because uh, 
I didn't I didn't do what the uh, Mandalorian did. He had his arm, it just was malfunctioning and being up. Um, and the rangefinder wasn't working, stuff like that. It, most things weren't working, but he still had it. So it kind of screwed me. I'm going to have to rewrite my story without the armor. <laughs> but, um, Shoot. Yeah, oh well. yeah, yeah. I'd rather it fit. And mm-hmm. it still will work without the armor. Um, it'll actually work better, I think, without the armor. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I, when I saw him return for his armor, my big thought was, wow, he took his time. Yeah. He took a long time before he came looking for his armor. <laughs> Yeah, because that's like five to ten years or something. I'd be be looking for it straight away. Mm -hmm. But uh, maybe maybe it took a long time for him to get a tip off that Charles and someone had reported Charles and there's this sheriff that had been using armor. Maybe that's what he needed to piece together. Oh, that's what's happened to it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's why. So um, I just loved everything. All the all the chat was great. Like let's have a chat. You know, everything's great. Science and I don't want your armor. You know, just everything was on point. So yeah, and like, the whole I I I, I love uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, I'm a huge Tuscan Raider fan as well. Okay, yes, I did. One of my that. first suits I built was a Tuscan Raider with a Guffy stick. So he didn't use that oh, Guffy wow. stick. Oh, it's just those those <laughs> pretty epic sequence. That was a great yeah, scene. That, the knee darts, that and that. Yeah, swing. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it was Bailed quite it. amazing to have Robert Rodriguez do that episode because you could yeah. really see the action, and he's yeah. very Western inspired too. And it just it just it was the sh- one of the shortest episodes, but I think it was like the the action was so intense and so well choreographed and put together. And like yeah, yeah with that gaffy stick, that first hit that he takes at the stormtrooper, you're like yeah. okay, Boba Fett's back. Yeah, yeah, and he doesn't need his gadgets. We, he showed that he could mm-hmm. and he could grab. And that's what I kind of loved about because I was a huge, as a kid, a huge James Bond fan. And, oh, nice. Uh, I, I loved the James Bonds that didn't have too much gadgets. Like Sean Connery, he'd be in the bathtub, uh, you know, he'd, he'd jump out, he'd always be there and throw the heater into the bathtub electrocute. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever's on hand. Yeah. And, uh, Think on your feet, kind of thing, yeah. yeah. And I always liked that aspect and always thought that would be something that both that would be good at. Mm-hmm. So we kind of showed that in the episode. We showed that he could just, you know, uh, diversify if he needed to. Certainly. Improvise. So. so what are your expectations for the Book of Boba Fett, the <laughs> entire know. series? I don't know because I never... Okay, I, I told you. I, it's like someone crept in my head and they <laughs> mind read. The only thing I didn't think about was that whole ending. Like him going back to Jabba's palace, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see what they where they go with it, and they might surprise me. Um, but I I didn't foresee that. I didn't think they would. It's funny they had Bib, and I Bib was the main character yeah. in that story. Oh, was he really mm-hmm. taken over? Yeah, no kidding. So uh, Bib was the only person that knew where Jabba the Hutt's kind of transportable cash was because mm-hmm. he put uh, always. Uh, most valued possessions, which were small, which was um, uh, uh, gemstones, mm-hmm. precious gemstones, because they're lightweight. Mm-hmm. And so you had a cache that you can pick up and run with. Oh, well, he can't run, but he can <laughs> slither, slither, slither away. And Bib knew, knew where it was. So Bib grabs it and Bib takes uh, his, uh, it's like a sail barge, but it's a space 
the tuna, I call it. But you see in one of the games, takes that and the, uh, yeah, there's a whole other story. Oh, that's, that, yeah, next time we have you on, <laughs> we're, we're going to get um, into that. <laughs> but Bib, Bib is the main guy, and, and he employs uh, Boba Fett to be his bodyguard, take over, even mm-hmm. though Boba Fett's all beaten up and stuff. And, mm. uh, but they have a distrust, and so the distrust kind of comes to a head, and he ends up dumping Boba Fett, and so Boba Fett gets revenge on him. Mm. Wow. Yeah, so oh, that That's would pretty be pretty cool, though. One yeah. Day, one day I'll get it out there. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Filoni and Favreau, we know you're listening, so let's uh, let, let's get to work on this, shall we? Well, it depends what they do. I mean, I, I'm hoping that they go forward. If they go forward, then I'm fine. If they mm-hmm. do flashbacks, then that's going to compromise my story, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, certainly. That unknown fits my story. That If you don't know what happened to him after Sarlacc until he comes to meet Cobb Van. Or look down on Cobb Van. Yeah. Uh, if they leave that alone, that I can put my story in there. Boom. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll oh, see shoot. What hey, well, mm-hmm. well, fingers crossed for you, certainly, because I want to. <laughs> I want to hear about that more. That sounds like it would be awesome. But uh, yeah, I, I, Mark, I know we've taken up more than enough of your time. Um, yeah, thank you again so much for coming on, man. Like we. It, we're here every Friday night, so if you ever want to hop on, then you have the link, so just come on and we'll, <laughs> we'll get chat some more about it. So. <laughs> I mean, oh, he's back again. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mark, he's back. I mean, I can, I can stay for a few more minutes if you have any Oh, more yeah, well, perfect. Of then, course. Um, yeah, I did have one about Boba Fett, but I forget it. Um, I guess it would be along with, uh, were you, did you ever read any of the previous Legends material about Boba Fett? Uh, he had like a big long story arc that that spanned like along with the solos forever. It seemed like, but now um, that's all gone. Not, but maybe not all of it. I did. I did when I was a kid. You know, um, because after Jedi, it was, we, it was like there's a bunch of junkies that had no fix. Like Jedi was finished, and you're like, mm. "What's next?" There's nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so then you get Ewoks and when, Battle for Endor, yeah. and those <laughs> those little campy. Uh... That's when uh, that's when I was looking at you know, the, the stories, the, the books. Like there was a book about smugglers, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Smugglers Run is that the one? And there's yeah. another one. Yeah, ah, I can't think of it right now. But... Revenge or something like that. It was uh, yeah. Paperback. I, I read those kind of things. So I read like uh, Spin to the Mind's Eye. So for a yes, while, that's I did. The one I but um, but then when I got uh more into um, you know, well in England it was commercials in the states it's movies, then that kind of consumed a lot more of my time. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, very cool. So at the beginning, awesome. But then it kind of trailed off. It goes off after a little while. Okay. Well, yeah, I, there was this previous Legends arc that kind of had. Boba Fett in it as well, where uh, it, it was a very, very interesting way that they kind of continued the Boba Fett story without it being like the main story of whatever the book they were reading. Like Boba Fett was mm-hmm. always this like recurring side character that would just keep coming up and eventually had his own thing where he turns out that he actually was married before Return of the or before Empire Strikes Back. And anyways, it's this, yeah. it was, yeah, some interesting stuff that they used to happen, but. That all might be at the window now with uh, yeah. with whatever happens with Book of Boba Fett and it goes well, from there. I always, but. I, always uh, I, mean, I, I read this stuff, but it was always, I never really took it 
to heart. Mm-hmm. Was, you know, I was very much a, a movie centric mm-hmm. uh, purist like, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. like um, I'm really good friends with um, Jim Swearingen. He's uh, the toy godfather for Canon. Oh wow! And, cool. uh, we were talking, and I was saying, you know, Jim, as much as I love you, I, 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 I cannot, I cannot fully take on board those mini rigs. Kind of mini rigs. Mm-hmm. And maybe because I'm a purist, maybe because I'm so movie centric. They weren't uh, in the movies. Uh, if, if, if it had been a background in a movie, f- fine. Like one yeah. of those transporters on Yavin that you know drives around. Uh huh. It mm-hmm. was boring, but I would have loved that instead yeah. of movie, mm-hmm. you know. Um, any of the any of the derelict things that you see lying around Tatooine, if it was a working one of those, great. I said, but uh, I had two things that I upset him with. I didn't like his mini rigs, and I, <laughs> I, I didn't complain about it. I just said, you know, your six million dollar man, if he just had a plastic eye to put over that <laughs> telescope lens thing, I, I would yeah. be a much happier kid. Because <laughs> they had, because they had on the bionics, they had like a rubber thing that went over fake skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The in. They just had a plastic eye <laughs> that you could just pop out. So you could see. see it, but I, I said otherwise that. It, Haunted me that I. Yeah, when and when there's just those like, little that was subtle my idea. I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry, Jim. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, I guess you just can't please everybody with no. the, <laughs> these big companies. No. Anyways, I found an old <laughs> Trivial Pursuit Star Wars game. I think okay. that came out right after the special edition. Mm-hmm. W- would you like to see uh, test yourself on a it. couple of these ones? You have it. it. Where's my but, little the test? Piece. I haven't. I haven't. See if you recognize this noise and this little guy right here. The batteries are starting. The batteries are starting to go on it. I think this little R two D two mouse. Dice, or, yeah, the dice. That mouse <laughs> dice. Yeah. Anyways, I dug this bad boy out. Cracked a few questions here. Let's see if you can find a theme. Okay. okay. Who joined up with Leia, Lando, Chewbacca, and C-3PO as they were on their way to intercept Boba Fett's ship? Who joined them? Who joined them? Name the characters again. Chewie, so the characters? Leia. Who joined up with Leia, Lando, okay. Chewbacca, and C-3PO as oh. they were on their way to intercept Boba Fett's ship? Well, you just had him. R2. <laughs> Boom! You okay. His hand. okay, here we go. No more hints, no more spoilers coming through. <laughs> Mr. Hotshot. Okay. okay. Um I need that answer. I just didn't say it. I just didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one's too easy. Okay. What planet is home for the Sarlacc monster? <laughs> and this is this is a geographic, so you get a green triangle with this one. Tatooine. Tatooine. Okay, let's let's see if I can find a better one here. <laughs> what were Boba Fett's first what was Boba Fett's first line in Star Wars? In so any Star Wars he media. says, I think he's, he's no good to be dead. And what if he doesn't survive is worth a lot to me. Incorrect. Incorrect! <sighs> oh damn it. As you wish. Oh yeah, when he's being asked by Vader. No yeah, disintegrations. Yeah. I should know that because it's my favorite line. <laughs> you know what? That that was cheating a little bit because uh, I, I turned it up to hard mode a little bit. The question actually is, what bounty hunter's first three words in a movie trilogy <laughs> oh. were "as you wish"? <laughs> yeah. So I, I if, he, if it was 
whose line is as you wish is Vader's as well. Mm, that's Vader true. Says, as you wish at one point. <laughs> that's true. Okay, I didn't think of that. Yeah. I'm glad I worded it ever so sli- ever so carefully. Two characters said the line. That should oh. be the tribute. Scene. Oh, that's right. Okay. As as you wish always makes me think of Princess Bride. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, as you wish. Yeah. As he's rolling down the hill. <laughs> Another great movie. Yeah. That yeah. is a classic. I just yeah. watched that for the first time last what? year. Wow. <laughs> it was the very first time I'd ever seen it. Like I was familiar with it. I was, you know, I, I know a lot of the inside jokes on it, but like actually sitting down and watching it start to finish, it's my first time, so Yes. Actually, I yeah, need to which... watch that again. I've watched it for decades. Oh, it's a classic. Yeah, it's it's a like Rob sticks Reiner. with you, I'd imagine. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay, this one. Okay. Interesting. What item of Boba Fett's accidentally caused his trip down the Sarlacc's gullet? What item? What item of Boba Fett's accidentally caused his trip down the Sarlacc's gullet? I'm guessing the jetpack. They're going to say the jetpack. The jetpack. Final answer, jetpack. I have a funny, I have a funny um, trivia about that. Uh, yeah, was, go on. My trivia is no good. You're, let's hear yours. <laughs> well, I, I was with Dicky Beer last week, so he. Uh, was cool. Hey, Pop. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Wookie. <laughs> That's his actual name. Uh, That's amazing. You, you, your dog's I mean, name is Wookie. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Wookie is not a fan of podcasts, <laughs> or he just wants he to be just, in it. Is that his actual name? His arms out. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dicky Beers. So Dicky Beers is on oh. in the uh, the Sarlacc set on the Sarlacc set. Yeah, but he's not in the suit. Is um, Glenn Randall Jr. that was in mm-hmm. the suit? Glenn Randall Jr. He's the uh, the boss. He's like the stuntman coordinator. So he's telling who does what. So he just did so he did a couple of scenes and then they start filming the parts where you know, people are falling off the skiff tumbling into the sun. <laughs> and there's so many broken collarbones, Jeez. Arms, oh, wow. broken ankle twisted ankle, broken ankles. There's so, there's over half of the stuntmen were injured falling into that. So anyway, so he's in the suit, he's a, there's you know what? You put the suit on and you do the whole harness thing going over to the skiff. Oh. So he kind of designated the dicky to do the you know, the hard part, the dangerous yeah. work, not knowing that all the you know, the eventuality is gonna be that he would be the one that's doing all these conventions mm. and he not assigned it. Yeah. Him having just you know get Delegating it to Dicky, put Dicky on his path where now he's the one that's going around the world making money from being Boba Fett, the fellow in the Sarlacc. That's so wow. funny. Uh, yeah, we've we've heard of Dicky before from uh, Nick Maley, the uh, uh, the one of the designers of the Yoda puppet. Um, yeah, wow. I guess they've done the convention circuit quite a few times together, and uh, uh, it sounds like it sounds like an interesting character from what I heard of Dicky. He, but, he yeah. is. <laughs> when, he, when he starts telling the stories, and I just like switch my mouth off and turn my ears on record because he's always got great stories. Always. Sounds like it. Oh man! Oh, that is that is absolutely awesome. Well, that's that's all the trivia that I had. The uh, the other ones were. 
I thought I, I remember them being harder when I was a kid, but yeah. <laughs> now that I'm an adult and have watched Star Wars probably an infinite more amount of times than I did when I was a kid. Well, there's always those know, but... trick ones. There's one where they say which which was a captain's name that said blah blah, blah and you're like, which one was it? You know, oh yeah, was it was it Piet or was it Veers? Was it? Captains or officers you can remember. So they do, they do stop me every now and again. They'll, they'll, they throw out one or two, absolutely. When I was looking through these, definitely got a few of those where I was just like, oh, I did not know the answer to that. I feel very humbled all of a sudden. <laughs> but uh, hey, that's that's Trivial Pursuit, baby. Yep. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Mark, <laughs> this this has been absolutely a treat for us, for sure. This is cool. this is really cool, man. Um, where can people find more of your stuff? I usually find me at Boba Fett A&HSE, which is a new book special edition. I'm usually under that moniker, uh, except for on Facebook, I'm just under Mark Anthony Austin. And um, yeah, I have my YouTube, again, Boba Fett A&HSE. Uh, I need people to view my artwork, so plug in that one. We'll get the views, uh, absolutely. You get to see all these being painted or drawn. Um, Amazing. Oh, you're, 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 oh yes, okay, I, I was going to ask you about Darth Vader. That's the newest one. Yeah, that's the newest one. Wow. I, I just have to put the wire on the back. I, I, forgot, yeah. I, forgot, I forgot everything from mounting except for that. Damn boy, that's, oh, that's awesome. Mark's that's Instagram has the process, uh, and like I've been following it for months now, it feels like, where you just saw like uh, little bits getting added at a time, and eventually you'd see like the tape outline of where Vader would be, and then a little bit more added yeah. to it. And just watching it come to life through your social media has just been absolutely awesome. And well, all those clips I got, got edited into one, one movie, and that's what's on my uh, YouTube channel. Oh, cool. Oh, amazing. Okay, well, so, find that the link in our show notes. Yeah. Every yeah. painting has got uh, from blank canvas. The only one I messed up on, I did a painting of the Falcon on the back of the Star Destroyer, mm-hmm. and I filmed all I, I filmed all my time lapse. Like I said, and put it on post on my social uh, social media. And when I came to the detail for the Falcon, I got the camera real close, and so you kind of see the Falcon being painted nice and big. And I I hit the wrong thing. I hit slow motion, so. I recorded like an hour, fifteen minutes of slow motion. Oh like no! Unusable, <laughs> so heavy. This file. Two years of so YouTube heavy. It's just, yeah, I, it's all I could do to try and delete it, and it wouldn't even delete. So it's just there. Oh wow! Really in my, uh, in my uh, incredible video, collection. So. And uh, when does your uh, your Netflix show come out? When can people see that? Uh, I'm not sure about Back to the Outback. Um, I, I mean, I worked on this last year, so they're finishing up this year. So I'm assuming the end of this year. Okay. Uh, the movie I'm working on now, I, I can't tell you, but I can tell you it's a, it's an anime. I've never worked oh. on an anime, so it's a cool. Netflix original anime movie. Um, mm-hmm. They've made a couple, but this is the first anime I've worked on. So it's like digging hmm. deep into Japanese culture and stuff like that. So mm. for me, it's huge, uh, interesting projects and. I wish I could say what it is, but uh, when, yeah. when I come on when I come on next time, maybe I better say because they're going to announce it. I think they said a week into May, so I think like two weeks time they'll announce this animated feature. So you will cool. hear about it. Awesome, That's amazing. Well, we'll we'll give it a plug certainly, okay. and uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep having fun, keep putting out that amazing content. It is <laughs> like it's such a treat seeing well, it on the timeline because there's always something cool on your feed like it's it's some kind of like 
everything from retro behind the scenes that just, like, where do you find these sorry to steal more of your time but where do yeah, you I, accumulate these I, these incredible I, I mean, pictures I, I can't help browsing just for, for me yeah uh, I just love looking at the stuff and, and collecting uh, images of, of like you know behind the scenes stuff because that's even though we I do that stuff now I do it in a virtual set so my set is a virtual set my actors are virtual actors that I have to animate. The vehicles you have to animate. The cameras you have to animate. But it is a set. It's a living, breathing set. And um, so it always fascinates me seeing you know, what happens on the live-action set because they're trying to replicate it in the virtual world. Like right. uh, One of the things I do as a cinematographer is I steer clear from, we call them CG cameras. In other words, camera that can only exist in the computer, like there's no way you could replicate mm-hmm. that practically. There's just I don't know a rig that could support that camera doing those right. kind of. If it's mm-hmm. a fly through kind of. Now, thing. now we we have a lot more range now with drones, but it's even stuff that drones can't do. Like drone, mm-hmm. drones can't loop upside down, you know, fly upside down, and then go back right side up and stuff like that yet. Right. So there's, there's, we try and steer away from anything that cannot be reproduced on the set. But otherwise. When they come to shoot the scene that I've made or created, I can give them the height of the camera, the lens, the distance to the actor, the distance to whatever. Oh, wow. Um, like on some movies, uh, like Goosebumps 2. Goosebumps 2, they wondered if they could shoot everything with a 40-foot green screen on, or two 40-foot green screens on cranes. Oh. And they had this whole se- uh, sequence in the, on the top of a... Uh, uh, at the tower, like a Tesla tower, it was Tesla mm-hmm. tower. So, yeah, they were going to make the Tesla tower. So we found out the dimensions of the real tower that they're going to make, and then did all our virtual shooting using two forty-foot screens, so we could give them actually the information of what angle and height to suspend that green screen, so you can successfully wow. map out the back, and then shooting with. Uh, lenses that weren't too wide so you'd see the edges of those. So mm-hmm. we, we were basically designing all their effect shots for them. The same as we did on Love and Monsters and then it gets nominated for Oscar. Yeah. And so, yeah, it sometimes it, it goes beyond just, you know, creating the shot. You, you're going, you're working out how the vendor is going to eventually create that shot. Like on mm-hmm. Goosebumps, there was a shot where they wanted to do it cheap. So, okay, fine, I think the cheap way <laughs> to do it. The cheapest way I could think of doing something was to shoot it in reverse. It was one of the shots that would be shot in reverse, and then when you play it forward, it something will come together. You know, it looks like it's doing some creepy thing where. Right, it's, okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Even on that movie, you go to, to the point where you're doing, working out all the problems, and they still don't give you a credit. So that's why on my IMDb, there's so many uncredited, mm-hmm. because the, the facts isn't, uh, isn't a unionized house. Right. Every other, every other aspect of filmmaking, you know, truck drivers, uh, mm-hmm. assistants, hairdressing, you know, all of them have a union. And for some reason, I don't know what happened to visual effects. Yes. I don't know when it didn't happen or why, 
but they have never been unionized. So as a consequence, mm. they can drop you off of the credits list before they can drop someone like who's a truck driver, because you know, he's in oh, the union. Wow. So you can get axed from the list, even though you've created part of the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not it's not all fair in Hollywood. No kidding. Not yet. Wow. Oh, not cool. Awful kick. Yeah. Uh, thank goodness for IMDb, so you can say, okay, well, I did all. I worked a lot in this movie. I did a lot in this movie. So, mm-hmm. well, like and, I said, your your sizzle reel alone is just like. <laughs> it's it's incredible. There's yeah. so many of those pieces, kind of things. Like, well, you, you that you were in that, you, you did you that. Told, That's incredible. Yeah, you, tell, you tell people that you did that. Like, uh, uh, we was watching HBO commercial, and the first shot up was um, Hulk roaring. It was uh, Avengers, the big three uh, orbit yep. camera. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I did that movie, and I must have said it seven times in this HBO special. <laughs> like, oh, I did that. Oh, and I did that. <laughs> And people, that was me. Kind of, you know, yeah, of course you did that. Yeah, you did everything. If you want to look at uh, all the stuff that you uh, questioning, I have a Vimeo as well. No one goes to my Vimeo. Huh. I find it hard to even find my own Vimeo, but my Vimeo is under Mark Anthony Austin, and I have all my uh, virtual Avengers sequences in there. Oh, cool. So if, you, if you're interested to see what I give to Marvel, yeah, uh, and then make it into the movie. Because as soon as Marvel find my Vimeo, I'm probably going to take it down. But mm. <laughs> why set up? <laughs> well, one of those 300 lawyers see. who are listening, uh, <laughs> yeah, tur- switch I it mean, off for now. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing to see. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just <laughs> no, it's all <laughs> just fun side pictures yeah. that you drew. Yeah, <laughs> at your spare time. Why don't you get to show what you did? Certainly, yeah. Yeah. it's it's not there no. to like. No monetize really, it's there to market yourself yeah, like this is yeah, what i'm capable that's, of that's so. why i said it's not it's not to take mm-hmm. anything away from marvel it's just to get work you know yeah through through mark's <laughs> website you can find that everybody i know i i saw it like your sizzle reel was on your vimeo on my website and then terrible. i need to get it through then <laughs> <laughs> okay i won't direct anyone there, there then <laughs> just stick to the vimeo yeah but uh yes anyway mark thanks again okay. my man i greatly appreciate it we'll uh we'll, we'll chat soon be safe, take care, and uh, yeah, well, may the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you, too. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Right. Thank See you. you. Whew, boy, howdy. That was a long one. <laughs> That's what she said. Um, yeah, thank you so much, everybody, for sticking around this long. Uh, it's it's an extra double-wide episode just because we won't be around for a little while, so hopefully this will tide you over. Um, we're coming back in a couple of weeks, though. Um, probably not too, too long, actually. Because uh, I'm trying to line up a couple interviews, as I said, for the September and onwards season. So stay tuned. Thank you again for listening. Check us out on Instagram at Good Morning Alderon. That will be continuing its goofy memes and jokes and updates about all things Star Wars. So tune into that. Uh, anyways, on behalf of my very handsome co-hosts and guests, I just want to say thanks for listening. And hey, always be a Jedi in the streets. And a Sith in the sheets. Those are my impressions of the co-hosts. Good night, everybody. Bye-bye.